Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, three-time recipient to the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Ann Mank, CFP, CPA, and Wealth Advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building, and also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building across from Winkies. We also service clients in the Bonita Springs area in Florida, where I'm sure it's nice and warm right now. So please visit ellenbecker.com for more details. Today on our show, I'm really excited about this show, but we have Melinda Stewart. She is the owner of Smart Moves for Seniors. And the reason I'm excited about the show is because we do a lot of webinars or seminars, and that is always something that comes up, whether we're talking about becoming a snowbird or downsizing. People want to know where to get started and what to do with their stuff. There's just so many questions, and that really is what your business is good at. So, Melinda, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here today. Perfect. So why don't we get started with giving a little background of um, your business. So what does your business do? And then I'm also interested in hearing why you started this business in the first place. Yeah, two great questions. <laughs> um, so Smart Moves, we are senior and specialty move managers, actually, that just changed in the last year that um, our professional association expanded the definition of our service because more and more people who aren't necessarily seniors are looking for help with downsizing and transitioning and moving. So we're really here for everyone, but we have a great niche and lots of experience specifically working with seniors. So that's where a lot of our time and our heart is spent is with our work with seniors. Really what we do as senior move managers, senior and specialty move managers is help people with both the physical parts of downsizing and moving and also some of that emotional part mm-hmm. that's tied um, to the process. You know, we, we all can relate to that, I'm sure, in some way. And sometimes trying to go through that process with family or friends can be tricky because they're tied emotionally to the, to the items as well. So we can be there to help provide guidance while our clients make the final decisions um, as we go through the process. And question two, how did we get into this business? I actually am really lucky to have been able to buy this business from my mother. She started the business in 2003, and it was a time where um, she had become an empty nester and was looking for what to do with her next chapter in her life. And this opportunity came up. It was really, you know, 18 years ago, senior move management was really just starting out. Um, it's, it's a pretty young industry and she had heard about it and she was looking for something to do that she could use her compassion and her care for working with people and, and helping people. And this opportunity came up and she built this business from the ground up. I can remember when it started, it was really exciting if there was one client a month. And now sometimes <laughs> we have five clients a day. So it's just over the last 18 years really grown and changed. But um, it started from 
an idea of love and compassion and service and really has become a beautiful thing that we get to help people during this sometimes very challenging mm-hmm. process. So what do you like best about this business? Because it's one thing for your mom to start the business, but not everybody kind of follows in the same tracks as their parents. Um, actually, I see a lot of people rebel against what their parents do. So what is it about this business that really kind of hooked you in and said, yes, that's, that's really what I want to do? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny. I had a completely different career. I was a registered dietitian and oh. I worked for the UW system and did community education. And I did that for about 17 years and didn't really think about joining the business. Um, But after some time, I was ready for a change. And I realized that those same values of working with people, um, bringing people together and resources Mm -hmm. together that I was using in my previous career applied to this job as well. And it just was the right timing. And now I cannot imagine doing anything else. I I love this so much. And I really do love the variety and the ability to tailor what we're doing to each individual so that we're really meeting their needs um, and helping them through this process. And how do you do that? Because I can assume that each person you meet is just a totally different service. Like there's probably some that they probably manage the whole whole thing and you're just there to guide them. And then there's others where you're literally holding their hand or doing everything for them. Like, how do you even approach something like that? Because each case is so different. Yes. Of the thousands of moves we've done, there's none, none that have been exactly (laughs) the same for sure. Um, So we really invest our time in that beginning part of the process. We offer a a free consultation where we'll meet with families, um, either the individual moving, or sometimes they bring in maybe their children or friends, sometimes neighbors all come to the table or sometimes now virtually, (laughs) but we all come together and, and talk about the process. It's really a lot about not coming in with our pre-prescribed idea of what they're going to need, but it's uh, information gathering for us. So we can really see what they're most concerned about with their upcoming Mm -hmm. move or their downsizing and then what parts we can help with, or maybe some of our partners on our team can help with. And um, we really, really try to take that time to identify what they're looking for and how we can best help them. And yes, every, every dynamic is different. Sometimes family members want to take very specific roles and, and help. Sometimes the client who's moving has always been a do it yourselfer. And so Um, They want to be doing things. And the great thing about coming together is that we can form that game plan so that Mm -hmm. everyone can start doing their own thing and end up spending a lot of time doing things that aren't helping them move in the right direction for the move. So, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a great point. And then as you were talking um, prior, you had mentioned that it's, it's sometimes about the stuff and sometimes about the emotion that comes along with it. What would you say the most common emotion individuals have when they're starting out in this process? What do you usually see? Um, Well, the common thing we see at the beginning is just feeling completely overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Um, And it depends on the move. You know, some of our clients are really excited about this move. They're looking at the opportunity to not have to worry about yard work, to have flexibility to travel and not need to worry about who's going to watch the house. And they're looking forward to starting another chapter in a, 
in a great place. Maybe sometimes they're going to a, a condo or a senior community where there's lots of fun things going on. So it's um, sometimes there's excitement. Other times our clients have had a situation they didn't plan for, maybe a fall or some turn in their health, and now they're moving and they weren't necessarily planning on that. So that can be a completely different type of move. We're here for both types of moves. We love when people can plan ahead because then they have more of that control over their choices and um, their decisions. But either way, we can offer support through that process. And as you were explaining both of those, that was like both of my parents. So they recently, well, maybe like three years ago now, they moved into um, an apartment from their house. And so my mom was definitely like, this is a great adventure. This is going to be awesome. My dad, who lived in the house for maybe 60 years, yeah, it was change. It was, you know, something that was scary to take that adventure. So I can imagine that as you're working with couples, it might be night and day differences and just being able to navigate that. But just having you as the resource to say, okay, time out, let's try this, or here's what you really need to think about. But your point too of it just, the more you can plan ahead and the earlier you can make this decision. And that's really why my parents moved. They didn't have to move, but it was, they wanted the choice on where they were going and what they were going into versus, you know, us four kids going, hey, you guys have to go here. You have no choice because this is our only option right now. So that's perfect. So why don't we take a really quick break? And then when we come back, like you briefly mentioned, things are a little different than they were maybe two years ago. Uh, The pandemic has definitely changed things. So I'd be interested to hear how that has changed your business, maybe some of the things you've seen just from your business, but then also how you're helping clients too, because I'm assuming a lot of the clients you work with are in the demographic where they really do have to watch who they're with, how they do things, you know, making sure that they stay healthy as well. So we'll be right back to cover those topics. Welcome back to Money Sense. I am your host today, Anne Mank, Wealth Advisor with Ellen Becker Investment Group. And today I have Melinda Stewart on our show. She is the owner of Smart Move. She is one of the many partners that we work with, especially when it comes to transitioning for our clients. So her business that we talked about before is all about helping the transition from maybe it's the house of 50 years that they need to go somewhere else, or maybe it's just a new adventure that we're going on. And you had explained before too, is you started off working with seniors, but now you're really helping anyone who has a transition and needs that service of where do you get started and how do I pack all this stuff up and where do I, where do I start? But this year has been a little bit different. We've had a pandemic, uh, really has changed almost everything that we interact with. And your business is so personable, so face-to-face. I mean, you really go into these homes and help people sort and manage and move. So how, first of all, how has the pandemic changed your business overall? What changes did you see or how did you pivot or adapt to these different times? Yeah, it has been a roller coaster of a year for sure. Who would have thought just one year ago? So um, when this all began, we were in the middle of our regular <laughs> business operations. And 
Um, we had just actually been at our annual conference. So the word of this was maybe coming and start thinking about this was out, but we just really had no idea what to expect. And once um, our state kind of shut down for a while and we were considered an essential business, moving mm-hmm. is still needed, even mm-hmm. in the pandemic. Uh, we really took some time to step back. So for about a month or two, we only handled really critical moves where it couldn't be postponed and things had to be done maybe for health reasons. And during that time, we connected with um, NASM, which is the National Association of Senior and Specialty Move Managers. They were a great resource. We were connecting with move managers across the country and actually in other countries as well, all working together to talk about how best to keep ourselves safe, our team safe, and our Hmm. clients safe. And as a result, we came up with a policy related to COVID for our team as far as taking temperatures, not coming to work if you even have a sniffle, um, wearing our masks. We have clean kits that we take on the job that have soap and paper towel and hand sanitizer and wipes that we take on all our jobs now. And Um, After a month or so, we actually were able to take a COVID certification course through the association that gave us some guidelines because really everyone was figuring this out together. Right, right. Definitely unknown. Yeah. And that really includes the senior communities that we work with as well. So um, that shifted a lot of our back-end work with every move, even if it was going to a community we had just moved someone into the week before. We would reconnect, see if any requirements had changed, what their current policy was, because just like us, everyone was doing their best to adapt to all this new information. So sometimes day-to-day things would change. So it Mm -hmm. was, um, yeah, it was incredible. And it ended up being our busiest year yet. So even with all that going on, there's people need to move and for a variety of reasons. So we were there. And so the, was the increase due to, and, you know, we just had Bruce Nemovitz on the show as well, who's a realtor, and he was saying that the market is just, it's crazy right now. Everybody's sitting at home looking at their home going, either I want a home project because I want to change my bathroom, or I want to go to a different home. And so as soon as houses get on the market, somebody is buying it. And so from the senior perspective, it might be a good time for them to sell the home and go into one of these communities that they've always thought about because it's a great market. Was that driving some of the increase you saw? Or was it other things that you were seeing on why people were moving? You know, the market had the impact for our clients who wanted to move to make it easier because yes, they were getting above asking for their house. It was selling the day they put it on the market. They didn't have to worry about that piece of it, but I don't know for them that it was necessarily the driver. I think sometimes Mm. people found that as they needed to be more isolated, that being in that home was trickier. So not being able to get out and socialize, it, it just made it harder to stay in that home. Um, so for a lot of our clients, that kind of mm. um, was the catalyst for making the move. For other clients, we had a number of clients who um, we worked with the families and maybe their loved one was moving into hospice or a situation like that in a community. And and because of the restrictions, not being able to see their loved one, they chose to move them back and live live with them as their family member for that final stage. So we, we did some of those moves that typically mm. 
we wouldn't be doing. So yeah, mm-hmm. just being, being available for what people needed. Um, and again, because we were certified and we had the protocol in place, sometimes families weren't able to help with the move that they would in the past, but because we were approved by the communities, we were able to help. So um, that maybe increased things as well, where in the past family would have done more of, more of those. I see. Now they needed us to be there. So we did yeah. a lot creative things like during the move, we would connect with family members over FaceTime or, <laughs> or Zoom um, so that they could still feel part of the move process. We would mm-hmm. send a lot of pictures of the final setup of the apartment back to family members so that they could feel comfortable that their loved one was taken care of and everything was set up for them. And that's a good point because part of your service is setting up the new location. So it's not just moving and sorting through the old stuff. It's setting up, you can set up the new location as well. But during this time, family members could not be there to see the unveiling or making sure that mom or dad are comfortable in their new surroundings. So yeah, just to hear those extra steps that you took really made it, I'm sure really made a difference for those families to feel comfortable about the process. Definitely. There were a lot of emotional final phone calls and exchange of information with families because they really appreciated that extra touch. (laughs) For the clients that you were helping, did they have to do anything different than they had in the past when they were working for you because of this pandemic? Or was it mostly on your side where you were making the changes and there wasn't much for them to do? Like, how did that you know, even sorting through somebody's stuff, how did that change or what did that look like? Right. So we did, when we would meet with clients, um, again, we did offer virtual meetings um, for those initial contacts if they requested. And we would communicate with our clients as well, that we requested that they would wear a mask to keep our our team and Mm -hmm. them safe. We weren't sure if our boxes or on supplies. And then as the CDC came out with more information that felt a little more comfortable, and that's when things again started loosening up that we could continue to do this as long as we kept those safety protocols in place that we're all following social distance, wearing the mask, washing hands, and and we're happy had no issues this last year with our team or clients getting sick. So these things do seem to work. <laughs> And that's what we've been finding too, is that the more that we just follow those basic guidelines, we can keep our clients safe as well. So that's, that's great to hear that all the protocol has helped keep everyone safe. Yes, we're very thankful for that. Well, we're going to take another really quick break because I really want to get into the meat of what you do because we have a lot of clients who, as we're making transitions for them, or we even have our own seminars for downsizing the stuff and literally the stuff is the main topic of what do we do with it? Do we donate? Do we sell? How do we go through it? So we will take a really quick break and come back with all that good information. Welcome back to Money Sense. I am your host today, Ann Mank, Wealth Advisor with Ellen Becker Investment Group. And today I have Melinda Stewart with us. She is the owner of Smart Moves. And her company is, it's a really needed resource in our community, especially for those that we work with at Ellen Becker, because what she does and what her company does is help individuals through the process of transition. How do we go from where we've lived for a long time 
and then go to a new adventure or go to a, you know, senior apartment so that we have more community in this time of isolation. And so that's really what I'm hoping we can get into in this next segment is, first of all, we'll probably start, let's start at the beginning. Where does someone start? So if they're sitting in their home right now, listening to this radio show, and they're looking around and they've always had the hope of, you know, maybe I want to be in a smaller home. Maybe I want to be in a condo because I don't want to deal with, well, right now, snow shoveling and uh, <laughs> all the lawn care. Or maybe it's a community where they, you know, where they want to have the interaction with individuals, where there are people who are walking the halls that they can say hi to during the day. So they're sitting in their home. Where do they start? Well, of course, the first thing I'd love them to do is call us so we can (laughs) (laughs) have that consultation and and help them come up with a game plan. But if they're wanting to kind of just start a little bit on their own, there's some really good ways to do that. Um, If anyone's interested that's listening to the show, if they reach out to either Ann at Ellen Becker or they can contact us, I have a nice handout that we put together that gives you a good starting point of when you just want to maybe start going through your paperwork. What should Mm. you keep? What should you get rid of? What really needs to be shredded? Actually, not that much needs to be shredded. So sometimes uh, we over overestimate that clothing, some tips on sorting through clothing, things like that. So um, it's a nice kind of do it yourself starting point. We also recommend people do some basic things like starting with areas that are less emotional and sentimental. Hmm. If you start with that thing that's just the hardest, maybe something you've inherited from someone or for some people, it's photographs can be really hard to start with. You just have a hard time building momentum. So think of something that you're not as attached to maybe go through your medication. Most of us Mm. aren't really, really attached to our medication. (laughs) So um, just, just take a day. And I always say, set a timer, even 15 minutes for a day and sort through and check that off. Okay. And then maybe the next day, pick another area, go through your junk drawer at home. So, you know, again, Mm -hmm. things that are easy and manageable. And usually that helps us kind of build up our excitement to keep going and Mm -hmm. uh, feeling a sense of accomplishment. Some other things we recommend are to do a series of questions. The first question as you're looking through this is to ask yourself, uh, do I even like this anymore? (laughs) You know, sometimes we hold on to things (laughs) because they've just always been there and we, we get used to them being there and we almost forget about them. And then when you really look at it, you think, I, I don't even like this. Or maybe you were holding on to it for the wrong reason. Maybe you felt guilty about getting rid of it because you received it as a gift. Or again, it was inherited and you felt this responsibility to hold on to it. But most people I know who've given gifts or passed things down do not wish to do that with the idea that you're going to feel terrible about it. So I think- Right, right. Good point. Um, you know, nobody wants you to hold on to something that you don't really want or need. So first ask if you like it. And then the next question is really, do I still use it? You know, um, I heard a speaker once talk about our life happens in chapters. And sometimes we hold on to things from the previous chapters because of the memory it holds for us. But in our current chapter, we're no longer using that. Maybe it's the dish set of your China that you used to hold big (laughs) dinner parties with, but 
you don't even really want to hold those big dinner parties anymore. And they take up a lot of space. So mm-hmm. if it was from an old chapter and you're on to a new chapter, it's a great time to think about um, letting some of those things go. Another game I like to play with myself <laughs> is to close my eyes. Um, I recommend this to clients and just do a mental walkthrough with your house. Don't actually walk through the house because that can distract us. But, you know, picture yourself going through the house and pick out your 10 favorite things, the things that you like because maybe they bring you comfort. It's a favorite chair or a blanket or a memory. Maybe it's a certain photograph. And and once you have those 10 things, you can kind of plan the rest around that. You know, Hmm. Um, these are what are my core important things, the things that I really love um, as some popular new organizing things, they bring me joy. Um, right. <laughs> those are the things we want to make sure if you are going to actually transition to a new space, we include those. And then it also maybe takes some of the importance of the other things away once we really narrow in what's most important. And I like that question because like, as I'm thinking of doing it myself, it's like, if I can't even remember the object as I'm <laughs> mentally going through the house, that just shows that it's, it really has no importance. So if I'm having that guilt feeling of, well, so-and-so gave me this, well, if I can't even remember where that's located as I close my eyes through the house, well, that just shows you the importance of it. And sometimes it's easy, you know, the things we tend to put down away in the basement or way in the back of the closet, usually that's kind of a self-sorting. Those Mm. are usually less important things because they're in areas that we're not accessing as easily. Right. And every once in a while, those really important things might be unrealistic to take with us. One Mm. story is a woman we worked with had painted a beautiful mural on her kitchen wall with her husband. And it was incredible. And that was the thing she was the saddest about leaving behind, you know, this Mm. had memories, her husband had passed away, now she had to leave the home. And so what we did was take a picture of that wall and framed it. So when she got to her new apartment, she still had a piece of that to take with her. So sometimes there's ways to think around not taking the actual object or, or thing, but to still take a piece of it in the memory with us. That reminds me of my children because you know how they bring all that art home. Yeah. So very early on, I was that mom that would be like, I'm taking a picture of it. Maybe someday I'll make a book out of it. But yeah, I'm not keeping the actual thing. We'll put it up for a while. And then when it's time to to go, I take a picture so that I have it. So yeah, even some of these tips we can use right. today, all the even time. if we're not trying to move. Exactly. And actually that's been uh, very trendy this year of even if you're not moving to take that inventory of what you have, downsize, organize. Um, There's been a lot of research that has come out recently that if you kind of live in a cluttered space, that affects us in a lot of ways we don't even realize. Our health, sometimes our weight, um, our ability to focus. So now's a great time if you're um, not going out as much as maybe you right. were in previous years. It's a great time to go through and think about what's really important to keep. Yeah, those are great, great questions. So it also made me think of, you know, if you get this object and you're like, well, I don't want to give it up because it's inherited or, you know, you you are feeling some guilt. Okay, so the person's made the decision, okay, I'm going to get rid of this. Like, what do they do with it then at that point? Like, how do you navigate that. So you, you know, Aunt Sue gave me this. I'm okay. I'm going to get rid of it. Where does it go? So two, two ways to answer that question. One is again, 
pictures are a way to hold on to that memory without holding on to the object. So we do encourage people, if it is something that you're really feeling some sentimental attachment to, or it's something, um, I think a lot of those steamer trunks that people have brought from Mm. where their family first traveled to, to the United States and they've brought this trunk and it's hundreds of years old and it's been sitting in a basement and it's starting to decompose, but nobody wants to get rid of it, but it takes up a lot of space. Um, we'll suggest taking a picture and then writing the story of that traveling trunk on, on the picture and sharing that with family. So that takes up very little room and you can still hold on to that. Now, what to do with the things that you're not keeping in general, that's a really big topic. We could have a whole, (laughs) we could have a whole conversation just on that, but we, we kind of have a hierarchy of options for what to do. So the first thing is we usually suggest that you see if family or friends are interested, which sometimes they are, oftentimes they're not, and that's, Mm -hmm. that's okay. (laughs) Don't take that personally. Um, And then from there, there's a variety. And that's, again, something we can help you assess what the best fit for your things might be. It could be having an estate sale on site. Estate settlement is probably our most popular option that people go with. And that's where somebody comes in and buys things up front and then they sell them off site for you. And they can also handle items that need to be donated or disposed of. Another avenue is considering consignment. That's great for clients who have the luxury of time. So if you're not going to move for a year, consignment can be great because they they take things seasonally and you can see if they'll sell or not and, and go back and forth. There's pros and cons to all these options that we can explore further. So consignment or auction. And then some people try to sell things on their own online or rummage sales. We don't really encourage that mostly because it can bring some vulnerability to you if people get the idea that you're making a move or the house might be empty for a while. We don't want to draw that attention to our clients. But um, if you have family that's really into that and can help out or a neighborhood that has a big rummage sale and you want to join in, sometimes that can be a fit for clients too. Perfect. Those are all great options. And I, I best part of what you said was you can help them do that. So it isn't overwhelming because sometimes just making the decision to let go of an object is, is more than somebody can actually handle in a day or two. And so for you to come in and say, okay, great, you made the decision. Now here's the best choice to do going forward. You know, there's, there's unbelievable value in having that because it's not a family member telling you what to do. It's a third person who's a specialist in this area. And so you can be like, oh, okay, I'm going to do that because that's, really some good advice from somebody who's not, you know, (laughs) my son or daughter trying to tell me what to do. (laughs) Right. And sometimes there's a great feeling about knowing it's going to have a a second life with somebody that can really use it. And if we can find the best place that that can make everyone feel good about the decision to let it go. Right. Exactly. Well, let's take one more break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation of what to do with the the stuff, all the good things, the treasures as you, you've accumulated in your home. Um, and then I also want to make sure that we let listeners know how they can find you so that if they do need help or support, you know, what are some options they have going that forward? So we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Money Sense. I am your host, Ann Mink, Wealth Advisor with Ellen Becker Investment Group. Today we have Melinda Stewart with us, and she is just a wealth of knowledge. She is the owner of Smart Moves. She helps individuals make the transition from lo one location to another. Uh, she specializes in seniors, but can help anyone that needs help with that transition. And so we were talking about all the stuff, like literally all the stuff in the home. But I get this a lot when I'm talking to clients that they want to make sure they can sell everything or they think something has value. And so they're holding on to it because they want to get the value for this. What are you currently seeing when it comes to what really is valuable out there to sell? And what is something that, you know, absolutely just donate that because there really isn't a market for that right now. What are you seeing? Sure. That is a great question. And one thing I always ask myself when I'm purchasing something or I have something in my home is what value is this giving me now? Is this something I enjoy? Is this something that I use a lot? Because that's really where the value of our items comes, um, not in the resale. And um, as we talked about this last year with people being home more and doing sorting and um, things, donation centers and resale places really got flooded because everyone was going through and deciding what they wanted. So even before the pandemic, the market was pretty flooded. A lot of people are in the age group where they're downsizing and mm. the younger generations aren't collecting and buying things in the same same way. They either have a different style or they're more transient. So they aren't investing as in the same types of um, furniture and things, maybe more Ikea type products that are lightweight and easy to move around. So the market has been strained that way where it's a lot of things available, but not a high value for those things. With that being said, there are some things that are still selling. Some examples are costume jewelry is oh. a hot market. So um, if you have costume jewelry, sometimes that's even more valuable than real high-end fancy <laughs> jewelry might be. Um, but jewelry in general is a good thing to get assessed and checked out. Um, Mid-century furniture still seems to be selling well. So um, kind of those straight lines from the 50s and 60s, if you have that in your home, that is a hot item. Silver still sells well. If you have an old silver set, silver can bring in some good money. Um, different artwork is good. Actually, the company that we work with He's very knowledgeable on art. So he would come in and give you an assessment on what your art could sell for. We also work with a book buyer. So most books. Oh, yeah, good point. I'm thinking of my house. I'm like, yeah, I got a lot of books. But even when my great aunt passed away, the amount of books that she held on to for 80, 90, I mean, some of these were old. Yes. So most books are going to be donate or maybe mm -hmm. something where you take hundreds of books to half price books, and you can get, you know, a few dollars for those things. But um, old vintage books, first editions, um, certain topics of books, those are valuable. So if you think you have something that might be in that category, we would bring in our book buyer and they would, they're wonderful. They would let you know about that. And then the other um, category is vintage clothing. You know, that's still uh, something that is selling well. And there's other things, of course, in there as well. I know um, on the break, you mentioned China. Every um, one in three clients has a large set of 
China. And as many people know, China, the uh, donation places are full of China sets. Um, things that we used to play, pay $100 a plate for, sell for maybe 10 plates for a dollar if they can sell it all. So China, unfortunately, is one of those markets that's really flooded. Yet there are a few specific brands that are looked for and, and are mm. selling. So again, if you're just not sure, I'd say have our partner come in um, that we work with on our team and he would let you know if that's something that has any value or if it would be better to sell. But don't get discouraged. You know, maybe use your china for your everyday dishes and make every meal fancy. Or um, <laughs> as my grandma did when she moved, she took one of her collections, which happened to be Hummels, and she gave each grandchild one piece that reminded her of them. Hmm. So sometimes I've had clients do that with China as well. Maybe give one teacup or one plate to each family member who might have memories of using that over the year. And that way they don't have to store boxes and boxes of China, but they can have a piece of that memory to do, to keep or not keep. It's up to them, but at least that's one way to share those things. Well, it sounds like just get creative. Um, I know there's some jewelers that will take old silverware and make it into jewelry. So there's definite ways to, you know, have an artisan help create some memories behind something that might be treasured and might not be worth anything on, you know, trying to sell it outside, but you can create some memories or family heirlooms that both the giver and receiver would appreciate in the process. I also want to ask you about, do you ever deal with coins? So we have a lot of clients who will say, well, so-and-so had this coin collection, or I've had some, like they have a stamp collection. What do you do with those? How do you even find, do you work with a partner on those? Or how do you even find somebody who could give you the evaluation on that? Yes. So again, um, our, our partner that does a lot of buying for our clients, he, he knows. So he would um, let us know. And sometimes certain coins he'll even refer out um, mm. just to somebody who would specialize in that certain coin. And some, sometimes, you know, one stamp collection may be worth hundreds of dollars and the next one might be worth $0. So you want to find out and you always have to be careful. There's a lot of people out there that will say, oh, you have something and it's worth lots and lots of money. But if that person's not willing to pay you for that, it's only worth that if somebody's worth willing to buy it for that. Right. So um, we like to get really trusted sources who are going to give you accurate information and they're, and they're happy to do that. So, oh, that's good. Cause that, that's one question we get a lot is with the coins of, you know, I have these coins or, you know, so my dad gave me these coins, but it's the, the dilemma of finding the right person who will not only give you a fair value, but then pay you for that. Is there anything else as we're wrapping up that individuals need to think about as they're starting and going through this process? Obviously, contacting you would be a great first step. But if it is somebody who wants to do it on their own, what's like a lesson you learn going through this that you could give the advice to kind of save somebody from making the same mistakes as they're going through this process? I would say just start now, <laughs> whether you're going to move or if, even if you're not moving, I would say start today. I've, since my children were two and three years old, I've had them think about each year going through their things and decide mm -hmm. and not keep. It really is a gift that you give to your family so that 
they have the peace of mind that things are kind of in order and you've made important decisions already in case something would happen. And um, that's my biggest tip. It's just never too early to start and to start with that game plans. I I always feel sad when people call us and say, I've been working on this for three years and I feel like I haven't gotten anywhere where, you know, it could probably have been all done in a couple of weeks if, if they had the game plan in place. So, yeah. Oh, all great advice. Um, so Melinda, if somebody wants to get a hold of you or find that toolkit that you mentioned, what's the best way for someone to contact you? Sure. So there's a few ways. Um, they can always call. Our number is 414-526-5242. And our website is an easy way to contact as well. And I think every page of contact submission button that you can click and, and get a hold of us. And our website is Smart Moves for seniors, all spelled out.com. And the other way is our, we try to stay pretty active on our Facebook page. So we're mm-hmm. always sharing information there and people can message us um, that way. So if you go to Facebook and you search smart moves for seniors, we should pop right up and, and follow us. And then you can get exciting articles and see what's happening at smart moves too. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom And those great questions that you shared with um, how to downsize and think about making that next move. We really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks, Anne. I really enjoyed it. Well, just for our listeners, remember that Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 to 3 p.m. and on Sundays from noon until 1 p.m. If you like today's show and want to know more either about Ellen Becker or about Melinda and her business, please visit us at www.ellenbecker.com or call us at 262-691-3200. As always, I hope that I have made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen.